This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, December 5th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, East End Master Plan enters new phase, public health urges radon testing, historical museum heads to the slopes, and a mountain weather forecast. San Miguel County's East End Master Plan is heading into a new phase. A master plan is a guiding document. It's about establishing the vision for an area um, and identifying what we want to have happen there, primarily in regards to development, but it can also be about other topics and issues. So we look at land use, we look at transportation, affordable housing, natural resources protection, open space, um, and we'll also be looking at um, sustainability and resilience. That's Kay Simonson, Planning Director for San Miguel County. The current East End Master Plan was adopted in 1989, and it's due for an update. So the county is looking to get input from local stakeholders and the public. Over the past several weeks, Simonson says the county has been hosting a number of focus groups with key leaders in the community. In that, we did a lot of reaching out to um, organizations, entities, you know, people that um, you know, had information that they could share with us that would be valuable. She says in those meetings, some unsurprising, priorities came up. Obviously, we heard a lot about housing, um, affordable housing, where it should be, where it shouldn't be. Um, We heard a lot about uh, people who were concerned about uh, wildlife and natural resources. And we also heard a lot from people about um, transportation. Now the county is moving into its second phase, going directly to the community. The county is holding several pop-up events this week to engage the public. We'll have a number of display boards, so we're hoping that we have a nice sunny day that isn't windy. Um, It'll help us out a bit. And we'll provide people with a bit of a snapshot of what it is that we're hoping for for, uh, and looking at what the process is and also what we're... um, some demographic information, but then we'll be asking people about how they feel about land use types, um, things that they feel are important, you know, such as uh, not only housing, but arts, culture, education, community connections, environmental stewardship. They'll ask about transportation, essential services, infrastructure, managing growth. And a lot of the parts of the the pop-up sessions will be just asking people to stick dots on boards, but then we'll also have uh, a way for people to, uh, you know, write down their thoughts and uh, leave those with us. The county will hold East End Master Plan pop-up events on Wednesday, December 7th at Spruce Park in Telluride at 9 a.m., Society Turn Business Center in Lawson Hill at 11.30 a.m., Mountain Village Town Hall at 1.30 p.m., and the Miramonte Building in Telluride from 4 to 7 p.m. It's time to check your home for radon. Radon is a type of gas um, that occurs naturally, and um, radon comes naturally from rocks and dirt in the ground. That's San Miguel County Public Health Director Grace Franklin. And it's always in the air around us, but the problem is when radon gas um, from underneath a home leaks through cracks or gaps in a home, it can cause a buildup. 
And um, it's uh, radioactive in, in its particles and can cause lung cancer and other diseases. Franklin says as winter sets in and we spend more time indoors, it's important to test your home more as a protective measure. It's not quite as uh, concerning as things like carbon monoxide poisoning, right? And things where if the buildup occurs, it can really uh, majorly affect um, your health and um, well-being. It's worth testing more to um, really have that tool of knowledge. um, So then there could be a change. Um, But I, I don't think it's like a sound the alarms concern, but more of a place of empowerment and understanding of the health of your home. According to the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, about half the homes in Colorado have higher levels of radon than recommended by the Environmental Protection Agency. Franklin notes there are several ways to test for radon. Many hardware stores have test kits. The Public Health Department also has a monitor available to borrow. You leave it hanging um, in a small area of the house that has limited windows, air, depth, movements like that. Um, and then you get a reading um, from the monitor, and there's different readings on what's healthy, what's concerning, etc. Um, so it's spelled out very clearly. If your home tests for high levels of radon, Franklin says it can be a somewhat expensive fix, but she adds it's worth it. When you think about the long-term health and safety of your family or whoever lives in the house, it, it makes sense to uh, get that fixed quickly. And then the state also has lots of grants and support services for people to get uh, radon mitigated because it is such an important thing to resolve. Franklin says moving from fall into winter is the perfect time for any home checkup. It's not just um, testing for radon, but all these other, um, I feel like there's different seasonal cyclical things that you can do in your home to make sure that you're living in the healthiest place possible. And so really, how do you create a system to um, make sure everything's um, good to go? And so every fall, we recommend um, you can do a radon test if that's something that's of a concern, um, to check the batteries in your smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors, um, and just do that general sweep of what are the different um, systems and tools that you have to um, check for other gases and concerns um, and make sure Um, that you've got that preparation in place as well. To check out the county's radon test monitor, email chrisss at sanmiguelcountyco.gov. Test kits can also be purchased at most hardware stores. The Telluride Historical Museum reopens for the winter season on Tuesday, and adorning the walls is the museum's exhibition, The Long Run, honoring 50 years of the Telluride ski area. Earlier this year, a familiar voice, KOTO's Matt Hoish, got a sneak peek of the exhibit. Today, we're rebroadcasting his story, originally aired in June 2022. You may know most of the runs at the Telluride Ski Resort are named after old mining claims. But did you know an early idea from developers was instead to name them after card games. So a lot of the early names, we've got Card Shark, One-Eyed Jack, Inside Straight. (laughs) That's Molly Daniel, Director of Programs and Exhibits at the Telluride Historical Museum. 
I don't know, it's just funny to me that that's what it could have been. But I think they were kind of out of touch with Telluride and then Senior Mahoney, who's been here and grew up mining and very familiar with the area's mining culture, was like, no, I think we kind of need to honor <laughs> Telluride's history, which I think is great. Daniel is giving me a sneak peek at the museum's newest annual exhibition, The Long Run. It's a history of the ski area, which celebrates its 50th anniversary this year. Telluride Company, a never-ending and ongoing consultation with ecologists, forest service personnel, and environmentalists, has taken a fantastic town surrounded by great ski terrain, and they've built five double chairlifts in just the right place. Then they've cut trails to produce some blow-your-mind skiing. That's a clip from Telluride is Happening, a 1970s short by ski filmmaker Warren Miller that helped publicize the resort in its early days and is part of the long run. The skiing mix, it's just right. The top half of the over 3,000 vertical feet of lift-serve ski runs is steep, and it's tough enough to challenge even the best skiers. The lower half, that's gentle and rolling. Easy enough for anyone. Daniel spent the last six months putting the exhibition together. The whole experience, she says, has been a trip back in time. As somebody born in the early 90s who grew up in the South, um, I'm very separated from, or I grew up separated from ski culture. I definitely wasn't alive in the 70s, so it's been, I'm almost nostalgic now for a time that I wasn't alive. The exhibition actually starts a few decades before the 70s when the resort opened because there was skiing here long before Telski. A pair of old wooden skis hangs on the wall next to the entrance. They belonged to Pat Mahoney, the brother of ski area pioneer, Senior Mahoney. And he used these wooden skis at Grizzly Gulch in Telluride, and the plaque right here says in 1938, which is when they would have been skiing kind of the town park area of town. And it was very, you know, rustic skiing, ungroomed. They would have these automobile-powered rope toes that they would kind of just rig up for uh, temporary purposes so that kids could be pulled up to the top and then hope they make it down in one piece. <laughs> there was actually an earlier attempt to start a ski resort in the 50s and 60s, but that fell through. Then, a few years later, came Joe Zoline. He was a businessman who lived part-time in Aspen and saw the potential for a ski area in the former mining town, then bought land to build it. And I love his quote right here about buying the ski area. He's, he said, I was feeling adventurous and I wanted to do something beautiful and constructive. I think he got a lot of slack from people in town. He was like, oh, there's this rich guy coming in. He wants to capitalize on our beloved town. But I think he had good intentions. I think he really was like, oh, it, this is a beautiful place. I love it. I want to build something great. It took a few years to plan and develop the area. But on December 22, 1972, the Telluride Ski Resort opened. That was after the opening was delayed, ironically, because of too much powder. They couldn't get work trucks and crews to be able to finish lodges and to get everything completed just in time for it to open because there was too much snow, uh, which seems like a good problem to have. The exhibition has several artifacts from those early years, including trail maps and original trail signs for Milk Run and Plunge. And I think they're just neat and bring you back. I think it's Milk Run was a blue run which is interesting. <laughs> now it's a black run, of course. There were also other differences in those early years. A lift ticket was only $7.50, but there were also a lot fewer lifts. 
and none on the town side of the mountain. So if you skied the plunge all the way into town, you would have to take a whole bus ride all the way back to Mountain Village, which it wasn't Mountain Village at the time, it was just the base of the ski area. You'd have to take a bus all the way there, then ride up the mountain again, which was like a whole 30-minute commute. In the five decades since those early years, a lot has happened that has shaped the resort along with the community, and the exhibit goes into a lot of it. One of the overall themes, Daniel says, is people coming together. I think a lot of what happened with the ski area happened because, you know, we, we do live in a community. This town isn't just a resort. It's full of people who care about this place and the people that live here. A constant in the story of the Telluride ski area are the people that made it happen and wanted it to happen and pushed for these things to happen in these beautiful places to explore the outdoors and to enjoy skiing these mountains in the backcountry and to keep seeing Whatever your feelings, the ski area is undeniably one of the most consequential parts of Telluride history, helping make these mountains what they are today. The arrival of winter is a beautiful but potentially dangerous thing. Recreating in the backcountry can bring stoke and adventure. It can also bring accident and heartbreak. To help individuals stay safe this winter, Telluride's backcountry chats are back. Whether you're a seasoned backcountry skier or totally new, the talks are designed to help recreators and interested community members learn more about snowpack, snow science, and safety. In the first chat of the season, presenters will welcome back winter. The talk will recap last season and look ahead to this winter with the Colorado Avalanche Information Center. Chris Dickinson from the Peter Inglis Avalanche Fund will help identify what to pack in the backcountry. John Tuckman will go over backcountry gates and Telski backcountry access protocols. Finally, the chat will discuss rescue insurance, search and rescue response in the Telluride area, and how to call for help. Backcountry chats are a collaboration between the Peter Inglis Avalanche Education Fund, the Telluride Mountain Club, Mountain Trip, Telluride Mountain Guides, San Juan Outdoor Adventures, and Telluride Helitracks. The first backcountry chat of the season will take place at the Wilkinson Public Library on Thursday, December 8th at 6 p.m. The holiday spirit is in full swing in San Miguel County. This week, Telluride hosts its Noel Night, and Mountain Village travels to the North Pole with its holiday prelude. On Wednesday, the Telluride Ski and Snowboard Club will kick off Noel Night with the annual lighting of the ski tree in Elks Park with a bonfire and hot chocolate, with holiday cheer and dropping to follow. The holiday prelude in Mountain Village will take place on Saturday, December 10th and Sunday, December 11th, with train rides, photos with Santa, ice skating, and more. Tis the season! The U.S. Supreme Court heard arguments on Monday in a case involving a Colorado website designer who objects to making wedding websites for same-sex couples. Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser says a ruling in her favor would violate Colorado's public accommodation law, which says a business open to the public must serve all members of the public. We believe this principle, you open up your doors to the public, you serve all comers, is an important one. It protects access to the marketplace and prevents people from the indignity of being told, we don't serve Jews here, we don't serve women here, 
what have you. Weiser says exemptions to the law could apply in certain situations, but an exception in this case would be too broad and open the door for widespread discrimination. He also says this case is largely speculative. The plaintiff hasn't made any wedding websites yet, but wants to start offering them. A final decision from the justices is expected in June. Federal officials are sounding the alarm on dire new projections from the Colorado River's reservoirs. From KUNC, Luke Runyon has more. Bureau of Reclamation officials say current guidelines to manage the river are not enough to prevent a water shortage catastrophe. They're proposing changes to how water is stored in Lake Powell and Lake Mead to keep their dams generating hydropower. Katrina Grants is an assistant director for the agency. If hydrology continues to be if we continue to have low runoff, there will likely be critically low elevations at Lake Powell and Lake Mead. If this winter is dry, Lake Powell's dam could lose hydropower production as early as this summer. The reservoirs are the nation's largest and provide drinking and irrigation water to tens of millions of people in the southwest. I'm Luke Runyon. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for snow showers tonight with a low around 25 degrees. Tuesday expects snow showers with a high in the mid-30s and a low in the mid-20s. Four to seven inches of snow accumulation is possible. Wednesday, there's a 90% chance of snow showers with a high around 35 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 25 miles per hour. Wednesday night calls for snow showers with a low around 15. This has been the news for Monday, December 5th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Hey, Coda listeners. December 15th is approaching, and that's the last day you can apply for your health coverage to start on January 1st. Take advantage of the big savings on insurance plans that you can only access through open enrollment. You might qualify for a no-cost or low-cost health insurance plan through the marketplace. Our health coverage guides can meet with you one-on-one to find the plan that's right for you and help you enroll. Contact TCHN Network at 970-708-7096 to set up an appointment. Don't wait. Be ready for 2023 and enroll in health insurance today. Hola, seguidores de Coto. Se acerca el 15 de diciembre y ese es el último día que puede inscribirse en una cobertura de salud que empieza el primero de uno. Aproveche los grandes ahorros para los planes de seguro a los que solo puede recibir durante este tiempo. A través del mercado, usted podría calificar para un plan de seguro de salud sin costo o de bajo costo. Nuestras guías de cobertura de salud pueden reunirse con usted individualmente para encontrar el plan adecuado y ayudarlo a inscribirse. Contacte a TCH Network al 970-708-7096 para hacer una cita. No se espere, esté preparado para el año 2023 y inscríbase en un plan de seguro médico hoy. Hello, Coda listeners. Wilkinson Public Library and Bright Futures are teaming up to bring you the 2022 Community Baby Shower. Please join us at the library on Sunday, December 11th. We'll kick off the shower at 10 a.m. with brunch, prenatal yoga, CPR and first aid demos, and resources for families and children. We'll end the shower at 12 p.m. with a raffle for a variety of prizes. 
Our baby gear exchange will follow from 12 to 3 p.m., so come take what you need and give what you don't. Good quality gear is welcome. Spanish interpretation will be available throughout the event. See you at the library. Hola Radio Antes de Coto. La Biblioteca Pública de Wilkinson y Bright Futures se han unido para traerles el Baby Shower Comunitario de 2022. Únase a nosotros en la biblioteca el domingo 11 de diciembre. Comenzaremos con un almuerzo a las 10 en la mañana, seguido con yoga prenatal, demostraciones de RCP y primeros auxilios y recursos para la familia y los niños. El Baby Shower se terminará a las 12 con una rifa de premios. Nuestro intercambio de ropa y cosas para bebés seguirá de 12 a 3 p.m. Ojalá nos vemos el 11 de diciembre a las 10 a.m. en la biblioteca. Gracias y gracias a Coto. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Koto. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.